Hello, this is Mike Levin, and this is Swampcast. This is part four of a podcast describing and discussing an article entitled Python Development with Eclipse and Ant, Python Development Using the Eclipse IDE and the Apache Ant Build Tool by Ron Smith, who is the principal of RPS Technologies Incorporated. This was published in IBM Developer Works Online 15 June 2004, and the URL is a bit convoluted, so the beginning of the URL is www-106.ibm.com slash developerworks and just do a search on Python development with Eclipse and Ant and you should find the article. Let's back up a bit and take a look at what we have accomplished in parts 1, 2, and 3. We have installed Python. We have downloaded the source code for this exercise. And we have installed the PyDev plugin. We have also unzipped our source code and uh, opened up the Eclipse IDE, configured PyDev, and opened up our source code. We have taken a look at some of the source files in this example, which is based on an RSS parser written by Mark Pilgrim. And we've stepped through the code using the debugger, looked at some Eclipse features, experimented with the Python interactive shell within Eclipse, and now we are at the section of the article where Ron describes how to use Ant for Python development. Now, for those of you who haven't used Ant, again I'll say, Ant is a subject that an entire book could easily be devoted to. So if you have difficulty understanding this section, or any of the, the parts of it, I suggest you go to the local bookstore or to the Ant website and uh, treat yourself to a bit of uh, time and study of Ant and its associated tasks because it's not simple. Um, it takes patience. It takes a bit of time. But we'll try to work through it here. And as I've said all along in these podcasts, about Ron's article. Uh, 
this article is great because it gets you through the basics of Eclipse, of PyDev, of working with Python, and some associated utilities. And it's it's uh, it's very brief, which I appreciate, and that's what makes me love this article. On the other hand, you might run into some stumbling blocks or showstoppers, and if you do, uh, don't feel bad about it. Just run down to the bookstore or get on the web and find as much reference material as you can and try to catch yourself up and remind yourself that a lot of the uh, reference material is not perfect. It's very often uh, it very often contains errors and uh, distributions change from uh, from version to version so things may not work exactly as they are described and uh, take it easy on yourself if it doesn't work that's that's all I'm trying to say sorry sorry to be long-winded there so we'll begin here by looking at the paragraph that is entitled using ant for Python development and mark says Python automatically compiles modules when it needs to. This means that Python developers don't typically have to explicitly compile modules. Nonetheless, there are cases when it's useful to manually compile Python code. And there are many other aspects of the build and deployment process that could be automated. This is what build tools are for. So, Ron says he'll highlight a build tool from the Java programming world called Apache Ant, which is largely applicable to Python development. And Apache Ant is the de facto standard build tool within the Java programming world. It was created as a more portable and Java technology-friendly alternative to other build tools, and will run on any platform that supports Java programming language Although most of what was required was already provided by Ant, there were some key Python-specific features that were needed if Ant was going to serve as a Python build tool. And Mark has developed some custom Ant plugins. Those are tasks in Ant lingo, which provide Python-specific features needed to do Python builds. Now, Ant uses XML as its format for describing builds. A build file is organized into targets to be carried out. Each target may depend on other targets. Ant will execute whatever targets necessary based on target you request to be executed and a set of depended upon targets. Each target may contain any number of Ant tasks which actually carry out the work of the target. Ant has many built-in tasks for things such as compiling Java code, generating documentation, manipulating files and directories, and there are many add-on tasks provided by third parties. 
So, in order to use the Python add tasks, you'll have to download and install the Java library that contains these tasks. So, Mark directs us to the URL listed in the resources section of the article. And if you haven't got the article in front of you, the URL is www.rpstechnologies.net slash capital P small y capital A lowercase f t capital T lowercase a s k s like pi amp tasks dot html so you go to that URL and you download the Python app tasks jar file which is some Java source code that enables us to use Ant to execute the tasks in Python that we will execute to run the Python um, script. Okay, now this is a little bit complicated, but let's walk through this together. Once you have downloaded the PyAntTasks jar from uh, Ron's website, you copy the jar file into the live directory of the Ant plugin within Eclipse. That's under your Eclipse install directory. And it should be in a directory like plugins slash org.apache.ant underscore version number. In the article, Ron refers to version number 1.5.3. I happen to be using 1.6.2 and it, it works just fine. Um, no surprise. But I always get a little nervous when a tutorial or book or article I'm reading refers to a different version. And um, in this case, 1.6.2 works fine. At any rate, once you've copied the Ant Tasks library, it must be enabled. So there are two steps here. You copy the jar file into the live directory uh, of the Ant plugin within Eclipse. Then you enable it within the Eclipse IDE. So to enable it, you go to the menu item window and scroll down to preferences. And uh, then you go to Ant Runtime and uh, you expand out the Ant Home entries and you see a list of libraries, the jar files that Eclipse uses. At this point, you add the Python Ant jar file you've just copied by selecting Add Jars and selecting the Python Ant jar file within Eclipse that we just copied into the um, install directory. Now, this looks a little funny to me because these Ant Home Entry jars all have backslashes and we know that in Windows and I'm running Windows XP here 
everything is uh, a backslash. However, when we add this uh, jar file, it shows up as a forward slash. So these little annoyances exist, um, but it, it works. Okay, so now we've got Ant installed, and Ron moves on to describe creating the build script, and uh, reminds us that the complete build script can be found in the top directory of the feed parser test project. So he begins by uh, describing a build script fragment that compiles Python source code. Now, if you've never used Ant before, basically Ant uh, is a uh, a method of executing tasks using XML, and <coughs> this first task basically just compiles the Python code, the first task that, that Ron describes. Uh, the, project tag, the project tag is always the root tag of the build script, and we see here the project tag names feed parser test as an attribute, and uh, the default task is compiled. The task def tag, which is the next tag in this example, declares the Python tasks that you'll be using throughout the build script. Near the bottom of the build script, you'll define the, the compile target. And inside the target element are the tasks that are carried out when compilers run. In particular, the pi-compile task is used to compile all Python code starting in the source directory. The task will recursively go into any subdirectories and compile any Python modules. Rather than hard coding the path to the source directory everywhere it will be needed, you've defined it as a property called source.dir within the build script. And you can see that here. It's a property tag whose first attribute, the name attribute, points to source.dir and gives it another attribute a value of source. So this is where I ran into a bunch of trouble. Um, I couldn't get this to work for for a good while until my friend Fred Sells at www.sunrise.com explained to me how this worked. But basically to run the build script you open the build script within Eclipse and as Ron describes in his article, Eclipse has built-in support for editing and navigating AMP build scripts. So when you open up the build script by double-clicking on it, the outline view displays the structure of the build script in Eclipse. In the navigator view, select the build script and select Run AMP. Select the compile target and click on run, the output of the build script execution should be displayed on the com console view showing a successful run. 
Okay. That took me a little while to get to work. So <laughs> take it easy on yourself if you can't uh, if you can't get it to work right away. Yep, it seems straightforward, but uh, hey, we're all human. All right. Now what we'll do is add the target to the build script to execute a Python script. If you recall, what we just did was we compiled the Python script. Now we're going to run it. So the next part of the build.xml has a tag entitled target again, whose attribute name is run.feedparser and the next attribute is a dependency called depends which equals compile and then you'll see the next tag is pi-run whose attribute is script and you point that attribute to the source file feedparser.py and give the uh, the uh, the pyrun task, the Python path, set optimize to zero, which isn't explained here, but we'll look that up at some point. And then the next tag is the argument. Now, in this case, the argument is a URL. So the argument tag has an attribute called value, and that value is a URL for an RSS file. The, uh, the point of this script is to parse RSS. It's an RSS feed parser. So what we're doing here is we're passing the Python script an RSS file to parse. So that's what you do. Um, Ron explains that this step isn't actually really necessary because Python will automatically compile the source code if it's needed. However, at this uh, point in the build script, we can just simply execute the script file without compiling it. And uh, once you do that, you'll see in the console of Eclipse the output of the feed parser. And this should make you feel great because we've gotten this far. Um, you'll see the feed parser parse the RSS file that you've pointed to in the antbuild.xml file. And you can put any RSS file in there you'd like. Uh, you can put your own in if you have a weblog or a podcast. And, um, and go for it. Okay, next, this is what I found the most difficult. So, bear with me here as I go into some detail. But the next thing that, that, that Ron describes is the Python documentation task. And he states that Python has an API documentation facility similar to Java Technologies Javadoc system, and it's called PyDoc. And 
he uh, then describes the build script fragment that executes PyDoc. So if you look at this fragment, you'll see that there are init and compile targets as dependencies. And Ron says that this means that prior to running the PyDoc target, Ant will make sure that the init and compile targets have already been run and will run them if not. He says the init target, which the PyDoc target depends on, is defined in lines 3 through 5. The init target simply creates a directory to hold PyDoc API documentation files. And he reminds us that we've defined a property called PyDoc.dir for the location of the generated documentation. So what we do here, what we're doing is we're creating a directory, a folder in Windows, or a directory in Unix, that will contain the PyDocs that this generates. Um, line 8, Ron says, is the start of the PyDoc task. And he reminds us that you pass the Python path environment variable you want to use in generating the PyDocs. The destdir attribute tells the PyDoc task where to output the HTML documentation. So that's what we've just said. Um, lines 9 through 11 specify what Python source files should be processed when generating documentation. The file set is a common construct in ant scripts used to specify a collection of files to operate on and um, you'll see it indicated in the in the uh, build script as uh, two asterisks a forward slash and an asterisk uh, Ron states that this is a powerful feature allowing you to use naming patterns Boolean logic and file attributes to select what files to operate on, and it's fully documented in the AMP documentation. In this case, you're recursively selecting all files within the source directory. Now, this took me days to get to work, so, <laughs> so, um, just do your best, and, um, if you can't get it to work, feel free to send me an email. Uh, my email address is mike at cambridgeweb.ie or Ron indicates in this article that you can send him an email. However, uh, let's stop the podcast here. Our next section of the article goes into unit testing which again is another aspect of development that could very easily and does have many books written on the subject. So I want to spend a good, a good bit of time on that. But if you've gotten it to work at this point, pat yourself on the back. And if you haven't gotten it to work yet, uh, be patient and be sure to rely on other sources of documentation besides this article and this podcast 
uh, for support. And be sure to ask your friends and colleagues for help because you shouldn't let showstoppers keep you from making progress on something that at least one person in this world has gotten to work. So I hope you've enjoyed uh, this section of the podcast, Dissecting the Frog, uh, where we have gone over using Ant within Eclipse in Python development, and part five will discuss the Python unit test, unit test task, easy for me to say. So get up, stretch, get yourself a uh, glass of water or a cup of coffee, and get prepared for unit testing, which comes next.